Welcome to an Impact Ministries production, brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self-development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hello, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to Impact International Ministries Cyber Church. And we are an international ministry because that's what the church is called to do. You know, the church is called not just to be located in one place, but to build people up, to strengthen and equip people and to make people whole and reach the ends of the earth. And I'm telling you something, that's what we're doing. Right now, you're going to church with people all over the world. Listen, today we're going to be talking about healing the broken heart. And I want you to understand something. Every pain that's happened in your past, if it has not in fact been resolved, if it has not been healed, on some level, it is still affecting you, even though you are completely unaware of it, you don't think about it, you don't remember it, and it's because of the impact that it has on your heart at the subconscious level. So listen, get your pen, get your paper, get ready, because we're going to be right back and we're going to do this. Be sure and get my free download, The Devastating Power of Pain. I want to help you get free from the power of pain in the past so that you can go on to an incredible life. Remember, this series that we're talking about is called Freedom from Emotional Debt. And the idea is this. I want you to understand this. Every time we have trauma anywhere in our lives, big or small, we don't have to remember it. We don't have to be conscious of it. It doesn't have to be something that we think about. But when we have had trauma, that has not been resolved. It has not been sent away. It has not been healed or it hasn't been processed or whatever terminology you want to use. That's sort of like putting a charge on a credit card that actually builds up interest because as life goes by and as time goes by, it keeps influencing us and that debt gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Then in our lives today, the things that we do that mess up our relationships, that keep us from trusting God, that keep us from pursuing opportunity that comes to us, all of those losses are payments that you're making on the emotional debt from the past. I want to tell you something. You can get that debt totally canceled and you can wipe the slate clean and you can come to a place to where you are living free from the power and the pain of the past. Because what we're talking about is freedom from emotional debt slash the healing of the broken heart. Now remember, we compared this. We didn't just compare it to PSTD or PTSD rather. We in fact said, and I know it's a bold statement, is that all trauma from the past that is affecting you today is a form of post-traumatic stress syndrome. Now, I'm going to tell you something. You know, people will just tell you, buck up, be tough, get over it, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, you want to. I don't meet many people. The only people I meet, in fact, who don't want to get over the past is when the past gives them a justification for some type of destructive life that they're living today. And usually, 
That's not even an intellectual decision. It's just because they haven't been able to get out of the life. They don't see any way to stop being jerks. They don't see any way to stop being rude. They don't see any way to stop being the victim. So they just surrender to their past and say, my past made me this way. I want to tell you something. Once you reach the place where that's your position, you know, the past made me this way, you have given up. It's all right to know that the past developed this in you, but and facilitates this, but you can't ever get to the place where you accept it and just reach the place where I, this is just how I am. You have just got to accept it. Well, no, the truth is you have got to accept that you can rise above this and you are called to walk in love. You are called to treat people fair and kind and, and you're called to have good manners. You're called to be like Jesus. And you got to hang on to that, that hope that you can be that person. You know, that's why I get so many people to write out this this emotional character because who do you want to be? Because if you don't know who you want to be, you have no target, you're not going anywhere. But anyhow, you know, we've had these traumatic events. And once we've had a traumatic event, then in the future, we have events that we call triggers. They're associations. They're similar to something about them reminds us of whatever we experienced in the past or something about it touches on the beliefs that we have developed about ourselves as a result of the past. So today, when it's not even logical, when it's not even rational, and I've done this, you've probably done it. I mean, have you ever been talking to somebody and they upset you and, and you know it's not that big of a deal, but you unload on them in some incredibly irrational way. And you walk away thinking, man, what did I just do? Why did I do that? Well, I'll tell you, you'll probably never sort that out rationally, but I'll tell you this. When you unload on somebody irrationally, when you act in a situation or react to a situation in a way that just doesn't even make sense, that's not even consistent with your character, I want to tell you something. That is because you have triggered something or you have experienced something that for whatever reason has triggered all of these emotions from the past. And they're not just emotions. You know, sometimes when you say something's emotional, people say, well, then you can just decide to get over it. Well, you know what? The truth is these emotions come because they actually trigger physiological effects on the brain where the brain starts to release all of these neurochemicals that are stronger than heroin, stronger than cocaine. And you can't just say no to them. It's not that easy. I mean, you can sometimes if you catch them early enough. But the point is this. That is your past saying it's time for you to make a new payment on this past trauma. It's time for you to suffer a little bit and pay a little bit of interest on things that have happened in your past. Well, I want to tell you something. You're going to keep not only drawing those situations into your life. You're not only going to keep being irrational or unfair or unkind in these certain situations where you get triggered, but these situations now are going to create new situations in your life that cause new trauma to your soul. Because listen, sin, anything that you do that causes you to behave as less than you are in Jesus, that causes you to see yourself as less than you are in Jesus, that causes you to think about yourself as less than how God sees you, who you are in Jesus. Anything that causes you to think, feel, behave, or see yourself as less than you really are in your relationship to God, that's called sin. And that traumatizes your conscience. 
And, you know, we talked in one of the programs about conscience, and I go into great detail in this in the series. Listen, I'm giving you everything I can in these broadcasts. And this is one of the reasons that most of the time now when I get on a subject, I'll go for two months on a subject rather than a week because I'm trying to give you everything that you can. But if you're wanting to take the big dive, the big plunge, and wanting to really invest in stuff, get the series, do all the exercises, and make this stuff work. But I want to tell you something. You're going to keep doing these things over and over and over. And like I said, it's not just as simple as, okay, this is how I am. you got to accept me. I can't get over it. You can get over it. God has made a way for you to go. But let's talk just a little bit more about these effects from the past. I mentioned this scripture a couple of weeks ago, Jeremiah 17, 9. And it says in the King James Version, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And it goes on and says, I, the Lord, search the heart and I test the mind and even to give every man according to his ways. Now, when God talks about giving every man according to his ways, I want you to understand something. Uh, a little bit that's kind of liberal translation in the language because in truth, God doesn't decide for these bad things to come on you. You get more of your ways because that's what's growing in the field of your heart. And that's what the parable of the sower and the seed was all about. It's just going to come forth of itself because that's what's in your heart. Now, the word deceitful, when it talks about the heart being deceitful, that means in the Hebrew, showing footprints. And that comes from one of the, uh, the theological word book of the Old Testament. It's one of the most reliable translation sources that you can use. So, so what this is saying is that your heart is covered with footprints. You know, it's hard to know your heart because there have been so many devastating experiences from your past. There have been so many footprints. And then when it says that your heart is desperately wicked, that word wicked means sick or depressed or needy. So what it's saying is that because of these footprints on your heart, your heart is sick and your heart is needy. Now, you got to understand something. Your heart, which is part soul and part spirit, if you really want to understand the heart, get my book, uh, Moving Your Invisible Boundaries. That is the cornerstone book to understand the heart. But your heart is the seed of your identity. It's part spirit and it's part soul. And so the real you, because you're not just spirit and you're not just so, you are both spirit. And so the real you is basically manifest in your heart. So your identity, who you really are, how you see life, who you're going to be, how you're going to treat people, all of these things emerge from your heart because your heart is the seat of who you are. And when your sense of identity is not or cannot be established in who you are in Jesus. I got news for you. Your life is never going to recover. You are never going to come out of where you are. And I'm telling you, from the very first thing that happens in your life as a new believer, if you will allow Jesus to do what he came to do, your heart will begin healing the moment you come to the Lord Jesus. You may be sitting there saying, well, wait, that's not my experience. That's not what happened to me. Well, I'll tell you something. In these upcoming messages, you'll understand some more about why maybe that hasn't happened and what you can do about it. Listen, I'll be back in just a minute. Don't go away. We're going to get more and more into the solutions. As I already told you, Freedom from Emotional Debt is one of those series that's going to be a life changer for you. You are going to get the tools to finally overcome the pain of your past. Finally, stop dragging all of this emotional baggage around that you've had all of your life. No need for counseling, no need for deliverance, no need to keep trying to work it through because you're going to find the solutions and you and Jesus are going to work this out yourself. You want to get this today.
The heart is the seat of your identity, but it's also the seat of your self-perception. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how that the two voices that speak from your heart comprise what the Bible calls your conscience. It's two sources of knowledge. There is the knowledge of God that was written on the deep part of your heart. All of the law of God has been written on your deep part of your heart that tells you what morality is, that tells you what ethics are, tells you what honesty is. All of that is written on the deep part of your heart. Plus, all that Jesus says you are, all that you become in the new birth is written on the deep part of your heart. That means on a very deep intuitive level, there's always this sense of what morality, ethics, honesty, and fairness is. And there's also always this deep witness of you can do this, you can overcome, you know, you can win at this, God is for you, not against you, and those kinds of things. But then there's a second voice, and that second voice comes from the soul, which is made up of our conscious mind, and our conscious mind observes our behavior and takes in information. Now, if the information that we take in and our conscious mind is inconsistent with the Word of God, then now we no longer have a single conscious or a, what the Bible calls a good conscious. Now, a good conscious is a conscious that will make you healthy. It produces healthy. That word means healthy. And so, this is why the Bible calls us to renew our mind. See, if I renew my mind to see myself the way God sees me, if I renew my values, my mind, in such a way that my values are congruent with God's values, then now there is singularity in what God is saying in the deep part of my heart and what my soul and intellectual mind is saying in the not so deep part of my heart. And that person who does that is going to be healthy. They're going to be whole. They're going to be emotionally sound. But when there is conflict, you're not going to be emotionally sound because you're going to have two different voices and you're going to be wavering between those two different voices, even though you'll never hear them as voices. They'll be more like feelings. They'll be more intuitive. But the conscious, because it creates your self-awareness, then this alters the way you see yourself. This is why the Apostle John warned us that when we don't walk in love, our heart condemns us. It's not when you go out and just commit adultery or just lie or cheat or steal or do some of the big sins. Anytime we are not walking in love, there is going to be an incongruence between what the Holy Spirit is saying the deep part of my heart and what my mind and intellect and feelings and emotions are saying, and I'm going to be conflicted internally. And I'm going to lose my capacity to be able to see myself as God sees me. That's what sin does to you. It doesn't make God turn against you. It makes you incapable of seeing yourself. And if you can't see yourself as righteous, then you can't believe that God sees you as righteous. If you can't see yourself as forgiven, you can't believe that God has forgiven you, even though John says God's greater than our heart. Just because we think it or feel it in our heart doesn't mean it's true. But the problem is most people are going to succumb to what they feel in their heart. So now we've got these messed up identities from all of these pains of the past. And they not only affect the way we see and perceive ourselves, they affect the way we see God. Because we assume that God sees us the way that we see us. We assume that people around us see us the way that we see us. You know, the reason people can't find a good spouse, it's not because of the way everybody else sees you. It's because of the way that you 
see you and the way that you assume that people see you. And I'll tell you what you'll do. You will go find people. You will end up dating people who treat you exactly like you believe you deserve to be treated. You don't want to be treated that way. You don't enjoy being treated that way. But I'm going to tell you something. You will find and be attracted to these people. You know, whatever our dysfunction is, we are always attracted to people who fit like a hand in a glove. Their dysfunction is kind of the polar opposite of ours. So our dysfunction, their dysfunction draws us together and we try to find wholeness in this. You know, I've shared this with you, those who you've heard my personal testimony, I grew up feeling that I was unlovable. And this was a seed that was pretty much sown in me by my grandmother. You know, I grew up with murder in my heart, the very earliest emotion that I can ever remember or deep emotion was as a child, probably four years old, hiding with a butcher knife to try to stay awake until my dad went to sleep so I could cut his throat in his sleep. That's my first memory in life. I hate it and intended to kill my father. And then when he got out of our life and my mother remarried, I hated and intended to kill my stepfather. And I'll tell you, my brother and my sister and I, we carried the emotional wounds and thank God we got out of them. But you know, I've got the scars on my body and my brother had his scars and my stepfather had his scars because buddy, we tried to carry this out. We were a bunch of dysfunctional people. So I had a horrible, I had a lifetime of horrible relationships. I want you to understand something. When I talk about having horrible relationships, I'm not saying they were the other person's fault necessarily. I'm saying that it wouldn't matter if it was a good relationship or a bad relationship, a good person or a bad person, a skank or a saint. It didn't matter which one they were. I would make the relationship horrible. It really didn't matter. And if I didn't make the relationship horrible, I would always pick people who would make the relationship horrible. So how I saw myself dictated how I'd make my life, how I would make decisions. And my broken heart skewed my perception about everything in my life. And like I say, it drew dysfunctional people into my life that were the polar opposite of my dysfunction. So my dysfunction brought out their dysfunction and their dysfunction brought out my dysfunction. Well, I want to tell you something. Jesus is the only cure for a broken heart. Jesus is the only one. You know, it's interesting. And, you know, I've studied a lot of psychology and, uh, you know, I've got degrees. I've gone to school. You know, I've got certified training. I was a certified substance abuse counselor for several years, had a detox program. So, so I worked in family counseling and all this kind of stuff. So I've got some experience here. And one of the things that I learned is many of the times cognitive therapy, in other words, therapy that where people are kind of trying to remember the past, it actually makes issues worse for most people. So, you know, all counseling can really do, a good counselor can at least give us some good biblical solutions and thank God for the good counselors out there. Thank God for the pastors and counselors who focus on what Jesus did instead of focusing on the past. But by and large, at the end of the day, until we come to Jesus in a way that we're totally surrendering our life to Him, the truth is, at best, all we can really do is modify our behavior. Now, I want you to understand something. Jesus began his public ministry by addressing these issues of the heart. Isaiah 61, which is quoted over in Luke 4. I like to read it from Isaiah 61 just because that's where he was quoting from. So 
I like to go back and look at what it really says in the Hebrew language. And it says in verse one, it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. Well, don't you know that word poor, it really doesn't have anything to do so much with people who are financially poor, they may be, but this is more about people who are meek, who are people who are humble. These are people who are teachable. They will accept God's word. They will surrender their point of view to God. They're not proud. They're not arrogant. They're not boisterous. You know, they're not fighting to hold on to their opinion. They are teachable. They are not unteachable fools. So he says, the anointing, you know, the spirit of God, God working on me and in me. And by the way, I want to tell you something. You have the same anointing that Jesus has. There are not different anointings. They're not, you know, people talk about having all these special anointings. No, uh, what you're doing is you're manifesting some aspect of Jesus anointing. And that's a whole different direction that we could go into because, but the point is this, you have the same anointing that he had. So you have the same purpose that he has. And that is to heal the brokenhearted. You know, in uh, Ephesians, when Paul talked about the fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, I think that's Ephesians 4.11. He says that our job is to equip the saints. Well, that word equip, if you look that up in the original language, that is a compound word that means first to mend or to make whole. So you start realizing even as pastors and leaders, our primary job is to make people whole. Listen, if you want to, as a leader, you want to understand this, get my book, Leadership That Builds People, Volume 1. I'm going to tell you something. It's all about making people whole. You know, our job is not to get people right. Jesus gets people right. When we think it's our job to get people right, we got to get them wrong first, and we don't want to go there. Our job is to get people whole, thus equipping them to get people whole. It's a whole pay it forward thing where if I can get you whole, you'll stop hurting people and you'll help other people get whole. But then he goes on to say, he has sent me to heal. And that word heal means to mend or to bind or to tie up the brokenhearted. I want to tell you something. Almost all of ministry is involved with dealing with people whose lives are being controlled and dictated through or because of their broken hearts, their pain of the past. And it doesn't matter how many messages a person hears. It doesn't matter how many invitations a person responds to. It doesn't matter how many deliverances a person goes through until People are mended until they are made whole by the love of God, by a real life heart connection where they are not just talking about the love of God and quoting scriptures about the love of God, not just using that for an excuse to be goofy and offensive and justifying it because God loves you. But I'm talking about people who discover that God's madly in love with them and they fall madly in love with God and they start loving people. I'm going to tell you something. That is where the real connection absolutely takes place. And that is where there comes this incredible shift in your identity or your sense of your identity because you see who you really are in relationship to God. And that makes it possible for you to understand and see and perceive who God really is in relationship with you. Listen, I'm going to be back in just a minute for my mentoring moment, and I'm going to give you some practical applications that you, that you can start today. Man, I really hope you're going to get this series, Freedom from Emotional Debt, because I'm going to give you access to some free things to add to the series that are going to give you some exercises to do so that you will see some immediate results. You will instantaneously put an end to your pain. Be sure and get this series today.
You know something? Jesus said that we needed to take this gospel of the kingdom to the ends of the earth. And you know something? That's what our world changers do. We take this gospel to prisons. We take this gospel to foreign leaders all over the world. We take this gospel to politicians. We take this gospel to radio hosts. We take this gospel to influencers. You know, one of the things that we do is we influence influencers and help them touch the world. So I hope that you will consider becoming a world changer with us to take this gospel to the ends of the earth. And I hope you'll join us also in some of my meetings because that's a part of taking this message out. You know, I'll be in April, I'll be in Edmonton, Canada. In uh, May, I will be in Calgary. And you can go to my website or you can get my app and you can see I'm going to be at places all over North America for the rest of the year. And I hope you come out. I hope you'll bring your friends because we want people to get saved, healed, delivered, set free. And we want to end the emotional pain for your friends. All right, for today's mentoring moment, we got to start with something that I don't know if anybody's ever asked you. And in most of the time, if you sit down and ask somebody this one-on-one, they would actually get pretty offended. But my question is this. When you came to Jesus, did you absolutely surrender your life to him as Lord? Now, I'm not saying you didn't get your sins forgiven. I'm not saying you didn't experience a born-again experience, but I am telling you this. The difference between somebody getting saved and struggling all of their life and somebody getting saved and it just seems like everything turns around and starts working for them is all based on the degree or the full intention of surrendering their life to Jesus as Lord. Now, you might say, well, what does that look like? All right, it gets down to this. If Jesus is my Lord, first of all, He's my source of salvation. I'm not working for salvation. I'm not trying to earn salvation. Yet, if He's my Lord, I am trusting that everything that God has ever said in His Word about how I should treat somebody, about what I should believe, you know, where my views about everything from politics to marriage to child raising, everything needs to be rooted and grounded in the Word of God. And Jesus showed us how to take the Word of God and always interpret it and apply it from the perspective of love. So the people whose lives just keep being crazy are the people who keep doing things their way. Now, let me ask you this. When you are making decisions, when you're deciding who you're going to vote for, when you're deciding how you're going to solve a problem with your wife, when you're deciding how you're going to raise up your kids, when you're deciding everything about whether or not you're going to lie you know, about your next paycheck, when you're doing all this, Are you basing those decisions on the Word of God, not because you're trying to earn something, but because you want to be a light in the darkness. You want to be that person who influences the world around you. You want to be the people who bring the love of God to you. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not because you earn it, but you got to understand the heart brings forth of itself. And when love is not your primary motive, greed, anything else, then the heart grows that crop into your life, into your perception, into your world. So today I want you to decide, is Jesus really my Lord? And if not, make that decision now. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.